and welcome back to Rick Knows Hoops. This is the next installment of the What's Next series, part three. We're talking about the New York Knicks today. I got a special guest with me, my guy, Fountain of Hoop, one of the few dudes on NBA TikTok that actually knows basketball and actually talks about the game like it should be talked about. My guy, I appreciate you joining the channel. Thank you, bro. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you for having me. For sure. Me. Hey, um, first off, just explain to the people um, what your account is on TikTok, you know, what you talk about and where they can find you. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so, yeah, like uh, Tariq said, my name's Fauna Hoop on TikTok. Uh, you guys can find me there. Uh, I didn't really make, I didn't make an Instagram page yet, but if you guys want to follow me on Instagram as well, it's A underscore J-N-J-U-A and another A. If you guys want to follow me. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just a mixture of uh, different types of basketball content. I focus on, you know, appreciating underrated players, posting about, uh, you know, just different, different moments in the NBA, major moments. Maybe uh, also some film breakdown as well. Just a lot. Of, I'm just trying to figure, you know, figure out my content. But that's basically just of it. Man, he, he he started like not too long ago. And he already got 1,700 followers. Just had a big video <laughs> blow up. He's he's kind of being humble right now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> nah, nah, bro. Nah, man. I just but started. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Appreciate not too it, long ago, you. for sure. But yeah, I'm going to have all of his links in the description. And bro, you need to start a YouTube channel too. Bro, really. I, bro, I had one in uh, 2018, 2019. I used to have a podcast. I used to post every week, but I'm 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 gonna try to get I'm trying to get more followers on TikTok. And I'm gonna go on YouTube as for sure. That's the goal, actually. That's, That's smart for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna definitely be tuned in. I already be tuned into all your TikTok videos anyway. Thank so. you, man. for it. sure. But uh, we're talking about the Knicks today. Before we get into the bulk of the Knicks talk, I'm kind of intrigued because if I'm not mistaken, you're Canadian, correct? Yeah, I'm Canadian, bro. Born in Toronto. So- so okay that's even better how did you become a new york knicks fan i'm really intrigued <laughs> oh, man. oh man so uh so basically um so i don't know if you played it but there was this game nba level four so my cousin used to babysit me early in the back of the day so we used to play that game all the time right because we had to waste time or whatever and he want he needed someone to play with so he's like all right pick a team and he would always pick the raptors so i so i went through all the teams and then i randomly picked the knicks I'm like, yo, I like the colors. And then you know how NBA Live goes, you're a kid. So you just start you start looking at the roster. You start looking at the ratings. You start looking at everybody. Then you start Googling, YouTubing. That's 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 what started it all. So since then, since NBA Level 4, I've been a Knicks fan. Like, diehard Knicks fan. That's that's so funny because, quick quick story. That's the same way I selected the Celtics, bro. <laughs> I got on NBA Live 08. And yeah. keep in mind, my dad bought this game. This was probably like 2009 when I actually started playing it. So it had yeah. been out for like over a year and i just i was just bored one now i'm like i'm gonna just see what i'm gonna see what this game's hitting for yeah. so i picked it up and then i found the celtics had no idea about paul pierce kg ray allen yeah. and i just started playing the game and they was good i'm like this is my team and i'm into yeah. basketball now <laughs> i guess what happened with me man exactly exactly i was yeah i was pretty intrigued like when when i heard you was like canadian i'm like how did he become a <laughs> Knicks fan like that just seems so off the wall like i could understand if he was like you know, 40 years old or something, but you're not, so. <laughs> no, bro. No, but that's what I was going to ask you, because I'm like, yo, you're from Ohio. So I'm like, yo, this guy's from Ohio, but he's a Celtics fan. I'm like, yo, but they had battles, though, like the Cavs yeah. and the Cavs and the Celtics. So well, that's crazy. Well, see, I'm not, like, originally from, I spent the bulk of my life in Ohio, but I'm not yeah. originally from here because oh, my dad was yeah. in the Air Force, so we moved around oh, a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it was, a, it, I've been a little bit of everywhere, and there's just, all my, all my sports teams are, like, all over the place, basically. Like, oh, okay, okay. all over the country, but. Yeah, that's enough um origin talks about our fandoms. <laughs> um, let's let's get to the New York Knicks because it was, I would say, a disappointing season compared to the 2021 year, yeah. which saw you guys in the playoffs. You guys were the four seed. 
the garden was rocking. Um, but this season just wasn't the same. Drews Randall took a step back. Um, just a lot of inconsistencies. What do you think was the biggest reason for the Knicks' downfall this season? Man, I don't know where to start, but what what I'll say is is just I think it as as sad as sad sorry as sad as this sounds, bro. I think it's because of I think when we signed Kemba, that was I think that's what messed it up because. I think when he came in, Randall, I think, had to adjust his game. And Tibbs, Tibbs then adjusted, had to adjust the offense. Because initially, my theory is, I don't really think Tibbs wanted Kemba. I don't really think Tibbs wanted Because he's not he's not a Tibbs-type point guard. He doesn't really attack no more. He's not, defen- he's not a defensive guard either. So I don't think he really wanted him. So trying to adjust to that. Now, I'm not going to put the blame on him. But I think signing him and then signing Fournier, I think it was just too many mouths to feed. And I think that's what started that. That's what that's what gave us kind of put us in a weird energy, like kind of put us in a weird position. So, and then by then, by the second half of the season, when we started picking it up, it was just too late. So, I think that's one of the reasons why. I think that's the main reason why why we had such an off season. And then obviously, Randall's regression. That's like another. That's I don't know what. That's crazy. That's yeah, crazy. like yeah, I would say Randall. Like he wasn't. He was still fine. Like, he was okay this year. Yeah. Like, compared to the All-NBA season, it was a big step back. And I was, like, I was in the mindset when I saw the Kemba signing, I saw the Fournier signing, I was like, oh, this is a really good offseason for the Knicks. And I think majority of people probably felt that way. And I didn't even think about it from that perspective. Like, Randall had to really adjust from being the only really offensive option other than R.J. Barrett. Yeah. So then, you know, you got R.J., you got Kemba, you got Fournier on that big contract. So that's a big adjustment for him. And then, yeah, there's just like the Kemba experiment didn't really work out. There was just a lot going on for the Knicks. Um, you mentioned how the second half of the season really picked up. And I, from my perspective, it seemed like because the young guys were getting a lot more minutes. What were your impressions from, you know, not, not only R.J. Barrett, but Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, and others, you know, once they got the opportunity second half of the season? Bro, so that that's the main thing, right? You let the young guys play. That's what Knicks fans are always preaching, especially the tips where it was like, you got to play these young guys because every that was our main issue. Like, our starters were horrible. Like, not individually, but our starters together were horrible. But then our second unit would win us games. Even, like, even in the beginning of the season, our second unit was winning us games. So that was, what, Quinn Grimes, that was Quickly, that was all these guys. So that's why a lot of people were preaching on it. And then once, you know, Kemba got out of the rotation, once, you know, there was injuries here and there, Derrick Rose got hurt, then a lot of people got to play. And then when they shut down Randall, a lot of people, like, guys like Obi got to play a little bit more. And he got to see, like, it was just came to fruition, right? Because their on-off numbers, like all the young guys, like even in smaller sample sizes, they were plus in all categories. There were pluses, right? Whether it be plus minuses, any single ca- any like advanced statistic you look at, the all those young guys that you named, like they were a positive. So seeing that, just it didn't really. I, I would say it proved my point. It proved every Knicks fan's point that see you can win games with these with these guys. That's that's how I thought and seeing Obi play more minutes that's again like that's like I'm not surprised like seeing Obi play so well because I know he can play that well he just it's harder to play when you're only playing 12 13 minutes a game compared to you're playing 30 35 minutes a game right same with quickly quickly's coming off the bench but when he started and you saw him he yeah I think he had like a triple double he had multiple double digit double digit assist games he won that game in Miami and then RJ I think I, on January 1st and forward, like, he was averaging, like, 26 a game because the offense was running through him. Quinn Grimes, he started before he wasn't even in the rotation. And then Quinn Grimes was shooting at, like, close to a 40% clip from three. 
and he was having great defensive games. But that's just trust at the end of the day, right? And getting the opportunity. That's that's how I felt about them. Yeah, that's a great that's a great breakdown. Um, I, yeah. I like I remember end of the season. I remember the quickly games. He had a lot of big games. Obi top, yeah. and then he dropped like forty two. One yeah, of the yeah. last games of the season. He had twenty eight. 35 no sorry yeah 21 28 35 and then the last game he had 42 last game like he had just 42. cooked like once like you said once the opportunity was there he was cooking i'm a big fan of quentin grimes i think he's gonna be a great rotational player for like the next 10 15 years like, i think he's that good yeah and then this is the guy i really want to talk about is rj Barrett because oh, of course can you explain to me why national media nba twitter just despises RJ Barrett. Is it because he's a Nick? Is it because he's Canadian? Is it because he went to Duke? I don't understand because he went to Duke. I'm a Carolina fan. I'm actually a big fan of RJ Barrett's game. Yeah, NBA. bro. I think I think you know what you know what, you know what it is. I think it started when he went to Duke because I don't. I, I think you probably remember like when he went to Duke. People can say whatever they want. Like Zion was obviously the best player, but RJ was the closer of that team, right? And our Coach K ran the offense through RJ no matter what. And I think a lot of people didn't like that. And then that whole narrative started like, oh, RJ, RJ got to pass the ball to Zion. RJ's not passing the ball to Zion. And I think that's what started it. And then he went to the Knicks. And you already know how national media talks about the Knicks. So once he went to the Knicks, I think people just started hating on him. And now the national media doesn't even talk about him either, right? Like you said, like every list that comes out, every ESPN list that comes out, he's not on it. Any top 25 list, other 25, he's not on it. I think before the season started, they had um, Alex Crusoe and Taylor Horn Tucker rated higher than him. It's like, come on, bro. You know that's not true. And I don't even think ESPN rated him a top 100 player in, coming into the season. So what I think is, I think his play style is kind of boring. Like to some people, like, because he's, mo- he's more of that Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brown mold, like early Jalen Brown, where it's like, he, when you watch him, he can't really, like, it's not, it's not flashy. But when you look at the scoreboard, he has like, what, 28 and 6? And and it's just preconceived notions like, oh, he can't go right. It's like, bro, if you watch the game, he goes right all the time. Like, I don't know. I think it's just his game's not flashy. Like, he doesn't have like that tween tween has he crossed. Like, you know, people people just like watching that. So he's not that type. But I think that's what it is. Like, uh, initially he went to Duke, and then I think that's where it started. Like, the hate started for him. People don't really care about him. Yeah, because you mentioned the the top twenty five list. That those were bad. But I remember near the end of the season, they did a top 40 list and RJ was not on it. I'm like, bro, that's, I looked at that. It. I probably tweeted. I'm like, man, that's bogus as hell. Like, bro, there's no did. way. There's bro, no way there's 39 young players better than RJ Barrett. Bro, bro he, 40. he didn't make his all rookie team. Like, go back and look at that all rookie team. There's like Eric Pascal, whatever his name is. Uh, what Terrence Davis, uh, Brandon Clark. All these guys made it over him. It's like, like at that time, that was crazy. And then yeah. like, it just like that's that's what I knew. That's what I knew. What type of narrative people were on when it came to him? And like his rookie year wasn't great, but I don't think it was god awful. Like they were trying to make it out to be. Like he he deserved at least an all rookie second bro, team at, at least. least. Bro, Terrence Davis, he's not even in the NBA right now. Like that's ridiculous. Bro. Oh, that's crazy. Eric Pascal doesn't even get rotational minutes anymore. Where's he at? Like, Where's he at, bro? Where last time at? I checked, Utah. I don't even know if he's still playing. This no, is no, he's not. Eric, he wasn't. No Eric Pascal sl- slander, but yeah, I, I don't remember seeing him play this past <laughs> he season. Wasn't. He wasn't, bro. Yeah, it's like it's like what's not to like about RJ? Um, his. His efficiency probably could improve. Like, that's maybe the one yeah. thing. But you mentioned he was averaging, like, 25 points per game plus over, you know, January 1st to the end of the season. 
his assist numbers got better. His defense has been really elite. I remember first game of the season, he had Jason Tatum in, in shackles. Like, in jail, bro. In jail. And that crazy. happened That happened most of the games when the Celtics and um, Knicks played this season. It was like a lot of R.J. Barrett clamping up Jason Tatum. Like, he's shown good two-way ability. I love when the offense was being ran directly through him instead of Julius Randle. Um, I think that's when the Knicks saw the most success, and I think that really opened this game up and opened others up, too, because he's a above-average playmaker. So... That's why I'm excited to see if moving forward, Tibbs decides, like, we got to run the, RJ, the offense through R.J. Barrett. Do you think that's, like, plausible? you think that's capable with Julius Randle still on the team? Man, see, whatever I say about Julius is going to sound like I'm a hater. So I, I don't want to sound like a typical Julius Randle-like hater. I don't hate Julius. I just – I think he's a good basketball player. I just think for R.J., R.J. to succeed, for Obi to succeed – he he cannot be on the team. It's like he just can't be on the team. Not like no disrespect to him. It's just it, it, it can't happen with a guy like Julius on the team right now. It just can't happen. It it honestly could if this is the thing. If if Randall played how I think Rand if Randall played how I think he should play, then he I think he'd be more productive. But I don't think he wants to play like that. Like in my opinion, like if Randall played like how he played in Kentucky, where he set screens, because he doesn't set screens no more. If you watch, if you watch any and uh, Knicks games, Randall will never set a screen. And if he does, it's not a good screen at all, right? But if he just sets good screens, and instead of taking like 18 shots, he takes like 12 shots, and he's in the paint, and he's grabbing offensive glass because he has amazing natural ability, right? He can he run the floor like like a gazelle. He got I mean, he can rebound the ball. He's strong. He's you can't teach those you can't teach those physical attributes, but he doesn't want to play like that. He wants to play like Kawhi, right? So it's so you can't have that, and and you can't have that, and then have RJ and Obi thrive. It's just it's hard. It's just a tough place to be. in. Yeah, they, it would take him to really have to buy into being like the second or third guy, and I don't think he's shown that he can do that yet. I mean, maybe he he looks in the season in review. He has a talk with Tibbs, who apparently he respects a lot. And he's like, okay, maybe I, I, I'll have to take a little bit of a backseat. But, I mean, he's getting paid all that money. And he's had he's had the success, too. So, it's going to be hard for him to probably take that step back, especially with Jalen Brunson coming in, which I know we're going to talk about. But him yeah. coming into the scene, that's another ball-dominant ball type of guy, somebody that needs the ball to really be effective. I, I don't think – the thing is about the money thing. If you if you go back and look at Sport Track or whatever website it is, I think I'm it's, I'm thinking about it in the top of my head. I think he's like the 50th highest paid player in the league right now, like 50th or I think mm-hmm. like 55th or something. So like I know people look at the extension and they're like, "Yo, that's a lot of money," but for like where he's ranked salary based, I think it's I think he is where he's supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like paying wise, because the NBA is going up, right? So I agree. Like I think the length is a lot of money, like the length of it, but I think the money itself is not that much. So, but that's that's where I am with Randall, especially financially. That's where I am. Definitely. Um, th- that's a good transitioning point because I said the same damn thing about Jalen Brunson because oh people are looking God, at the contract bro. like, oh my, oh my God, why are they paying him one hundred and four billion dollars? I'm like, <laughs> if you look at it in like the grand scheme of things. He's like the 14th or 15th highest paid point guard, which yeah. is probably where he is on That's the pecking he order. Is. Like he's like middle, like he's like probably 14th or 15th. Like you could probably yeah. name 14 point guards better than him. That's how much he's getting paid. Yeah. And it's like the Knicks did a lot of things in the draft. So they didn't have to take on any extra salary. They traded away Noel, Alec Burks. They did all that because they were banking on we have to get Jalen Brunson. So you got to throw him the bag to get him away from the Mavericks. Yeah. And they did that. You know, that was their big acquisition. So just Talk to me about Jalen Brunson and why this is not an overpay at all. 
bro, like you said, right? Like he's like the 14th highest paid point, like point paid point guard in paid point. Sorry, my bad, my stuttering. You good, bro? He's the highest paid. Uh, he's the 14th highest paid point guard in the league right now. And you look at people above him. DeAndre Russell's making 31 million. You look at Malcolm Brogdon, he's making around the same amount. Mike Conley's making like 29 million. Lowry's making 29 million. So it's like that's how much you gotta pay for a good point guard, and he's a good point guard. That's how much you gotta pay. So I wasn't mad about the deal at all. If anything, like 104 million is less than what people thought it was gonna be. So I had no problem with the deal. I had no problem with what they did in the draft, in my opinion, because they tried to get Ivy, they couldn't really get him. So instead of taking someone they didn't really feel comfortable with. They just traded it out, got three first-round picks from OKC. So I had no problem with the draft. And Brunson in general, bro, you Brunson, been, Brunson, in my opinion, is like a metronome. Like, if you watch every game, there's no flaws. Like, there's, like, especially efficiency-wise, like, I don't know if you, I don't know if you ever seen it, but I think Kirk Goldberry, I think that's what his name is, he put in yep. his shot chart for the past two years. So red, I think red meant, he like, if it was red, it was extremely efficient. And if it was white, it was not efficient at all. Brunson's entire shot chart for the past two years is all the entire court is red. The entire court is red. So, like, he's one of the most efficient point guards in the league right now. He's 24, 25 years old. And frankly, he was the second best player on a Western Conference team, right? And he won he won them a Utah job. He won he won them a series without Luca. So I, I think 104 million, like that's what that's what he should be getting paid. Like I thought he was gonna get paid more, in my opinion. That's what I thought. I thought he was gonna get paid more. Yeah, I thought he was going to get, like, at least 110. So, I think the 104 is kind of a, a steal in my eyes, I would say. And, like like you said, like, super efficient. And notice this is not, like, a slide at Luka Doncic. Obviously, when he's off the floor or he's not playing games, somebody's got to step up. But that's not guaranteed that you're going to win games or even be successful. Yeah, I remember early on in the season, like, around January-ish, Luka missed a good chunk of time. And Jalen Brunson stepped up, and they were, you know, staying afloat. They were winning games with Jalen Brunson being the guy. You mentioned the Jazz series where I think he averaged, like, 29 points per game or something like that. He had the 40 ball in that series. Like, he's shown, like, when the offenses ran through him, not only if a, if a decent team's around him can he win a game, but he, he's going to be super effective at the same time. Yeah. So, and that's, yeah, that's an interesting point. I didn't really know about the Ivy thing, so I'm glad you said that. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of glad y'all didn't get Jaden Ivy because y'all were trying y'all were trying to make him a point guard and then you'd have. No, nah, he's not quick. a point. He's not exactly. A point. And I, I I like quickly better off the ball. I think he's more versatile off the ball. So I think him and Just, him and Brunson could probably coexist. And then what y'all did in free agency, I think supplements what I was kind of mad about in the draft. How y'all probably could have had Jalen Duran, but y'all decided to trade the pick away, which is fine because you end up resigning Mitchell Robinson for a very good deal, like 15 mil a year. And then the Isaiah Hartenstein deal. I like that one a lot. Yeah, I like I, that too. I like that. I think that's a steal. So like you guys have a pretty good roster moving forward. Um, just talk about the free agent signings, the Mitchell Robinson re-signing. You just mentioned Brunson and the Hartenstein move. Um, would you say like this was a successful free agency overall for the Knicks? Uh, well, I'm going to start with the Mitchell Robinson signing. I like the I like the signing, but Mitch to me, I I don't think like a lot of people that don't watch the Knicks like they don't really they're not really tapped in. Like Mitch is a really good basketball player. He's I think he's the best offensive rebounder in the NBA right now. But he has all the physical tools. But it's just the maturity level for me. Like if you if you know about Mitch, like the maturity level isn't really there. And giving him like sixty million dollars for four years, I was kind of hesitant. But seeing where other bigs get paid, like you said about Brunson, I'm okay with it. I got like I'm I wasn't mad at it. The Hardenstein deal, I really like. So, like, I think two weeks ago or three weeks ago before free agency started, 
I started like watching a lot of Hardenstein tape because like I was looking at all the free agents like on Sport Track, Sport Track, and they said Hardenstein was a free agent. I watched a couple games. I watched a couple games this season. I'm like, yo, he's kind of nice though. He's a great playmaker. He's 24 years old, has good touch around the rim, and I think he was the G League Finals MVP or something. I think two years ago or a year ago. So mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, the potential's there. Efficiencies that he didn't really shoot a high volume of threes, but I think he shot 46% from three, if I'm correct, which is like he's not going to be a, a stretch five or whatever, but you can't really leave him open. If, like, if, if if it's the last possession of the game or what, not last possession, if it's like last possession of a shot clock, like he can hit those, right? So, I, and the deal was good too. I think it was two years, 16 million, two years, 17 million. Like, that's a great deal. So, I, I thought, I thought this free agency was, I would say, like a A minus B plus for me, but. The only thing for me is it would have been an A plus if we found a way to move Randall. So if we if we could have if we can move Randall this free agency, this would be like an A right now. That's just what I have to say about that. Well, definitely we're gonna get to the hypotheticals real yeah. soon. But um just to talk about Harnstein real quick. Um, I remember he played for the Nuggets and it was there was a joke like among NBA Twitter, like he's like he's just like a baby Jokic. Yeah. So, like, you mentioned his playmaking, like, he's just like that. And I remember there was a game this season. I, it might have been against Utah Jazz. Um, yeah. He came in the game. I think they were down, like, 20. I think this is when Paul George, like, finally returned. Yeah. And he helped spark a comeback. Like, he was <laughs> yeah. he was yeah. putting dudes in the cup. He was pick and roll dunking. Like, he was doing a lot, blocking shots, grabbing big boards, like, he was doing a lot to get them to help them back into that game. They eventually ended up winning it. But I, yeah, I think that that was a steal because he's one of the best backup centers in the league. And yeah. you know, Mitchell Robinson, um, even though he's good when he's on the court, he tends to get injured pretty like much every season. And he gets in foul trouble a decent amount too, even though he got a little better last year. But it's just good to have. I mean, you get rid of Noel, who was kind of injury prone, but when he was on the court, he was one of the best backups in the league. You replace him with somebody that's probably just as good, maybe even better in some areas with Hornstein. So, yeah, that's a good good deal. Um, I th- I would agree with you. I think like y'all's offseason was about a B plus. I think pretty solid. I think, um, I think it's more safe than last offseason. I think last offseason the moves looked good, but they were kind of like home run swings. Ended up striking out with the Kemba. Um, f- even though Fournier, that's a lot of money. He was pretty solid for y'all last year. Like, he bro, he like was he- really, bro, he was really good. I think second half of the year, he was like the best three point shooter in the NBA. Like he had the most three pointers made. I think he shot the highest percentage. Like fire second half of the year, so he's decent. Yeah, I agree. If he he's can decent. play half as good as he does against the Celtics, <laughs> that that cooked- contract's gonna look great, <laughs> bro. He cooks y'all, bro. He cooked y'all this whole every season. time, this whole season, bro. It was crazy. First- First game of the season, he was big. Then the game where RJ hit that BS game winner. Yo, I think he hit that? like ten. I think he hit like ten threes that game too. Like he was cooking us all year. Yo, but the but the thing is that RJ game winner changed your season though. It changed your season though. So like that, you, Tim talked about that too. Like your whole season changed after that. So you gotta thank you gotta thank RJ for that. You know what I mean? Shout out to RJ. Shout out to RJ and the next man. But <laughs> um, you mentioned wanting Randall to be moved, not because he's a bad player. Not yeah. because you hate him, just because he probably doesn't fit the direction of the team. Seems yeah. like it's a little more younger. You mentioned Brunson's like 24, 25. A little more of a younger team. And I think that's good for the Knicks moving forward. Um, would you entertain a Donovan Mitchell trade? Or would no. you stay away from it? No, I would not do a Donovan Mitchell trade. I'm not. I'm not the highest on Donovan Mitchell, bro. Like, I, I traded, like, for that to be, because that's the all-in move, right? Like, if I got to trade him for, if I got to trade for Donovan Mitchell, that's my all-in move. And I don't, I don't think Donovan Mitchell's worth the all-in move to me. Like to me, an all-in move is 
like Shea Gilgis Alexander. I would I would do an all in move for him, or I would do an all in move for the book. Like that's an all in move to me. Like not Donovan Mitchell to me. It's like I think people think he's he's. I'm not I'm not gonna disrespect him. Like he's a great player. Don't get me wrong, but he's he's not a number one option. Like I'm not gonna trade everything. I'm not gonna trade the farm for you type of thing. So I wouldn't, in my opinion, I wouldn't trade Donovan trade for Donovan Mitchell. That's just me though. Interesting. I know a few like Knicks fans that I really respect. They say the same thing, especially with the Brunson move, because then small ass backcourt just doesn't look great. And I, I kind of agree because you would probably have to include like one of your nice, like nice young pieces. And I just kind of like building with the youth right now for y'all. Um, and I agree, like Donovan Mitchell, he's a number one on like a for, like a mid tier playoff team. But when you're trying to be <clears throat> You know, get like like you said, that's an all-in move. You're trying to get to a championship level. I don't know if he can be a number one on a championship team unless it's perfectly constructed around him. So yeah. that's a that's a fair point for sure. Bro, you look at how much like Rudy took. Like Rudy took five unprotected first round picks, right? Like you already know Danny Ainge's if, if Rudy took five, like I don't even want to know what Donovan Mitchell's gonna take. And you look at Atlanta, for example, right? They took they they gave up their whole like they gave up everything for DeJounte Murray. Like I like DeJounte, but that's their move. Like, they can't do anything. Like, what else are they going to do, right? Like, are they going to win a championship? Probably not. But that's, that's like, everybody praised something like that. In my opinion, I was like, I'm like, you You could have waited. Like, you could have waited for something else. You know what I mean? So, Donovan Mitchell's kind of in that same realm to me. Like, that Atlanta trading for DeJounte like, or Minnesota trading for Rudy. Like, I don't really, like, I wouldn't do it, in my opinion, personally. I just wouldn't do it. Yeah. I kind of had the same sentiments. Like, I, I say picks are overrated if you're trying to be, like, a contending team. But to trade those picks, like you said, it has to be a move that puts you, that really moves the needle. And like the Rudy Gobert one, I know we're getting a little sidetracked, but the Rudy Gobert one is like, it moves the needle for them. Like they're going to be a better team, but are they going to be a championship team? And then for the Hawks, it's like, you're maybe not a playing team now. Like that's, that's how that needle moved. And I'm a big DeJounte guy. I think Rudy is a yeah. little overhated, but both of those trades, like you're giving up a lot of first round picks, mortgaging your future for like, very minor moves that might make you like a few seats higher yeah exactly it's just not it's just not worth it like like you said like the Atlanta thing like both those guys never played true like they never played off ball in their entire lives like DeJounte played point guard his whole life Trayon played point guard his whole life like how are they gonna adjust to that right but like yeah exactly like you just you can't I don't know that's just not worth it to me like doing doing that is not worth it to me I'd much rather keep my assets than trade for a guy like Donovan Definitely when you're a team like the Knicks, who I think is in a pretty good position, got good young players, got has draft capital, and pretty solid at, I would say pretty solid at drafting since, like, the new regime has come in. Um, like, just quickly, since we were talking about Julius Randle, do you think, like, there's any viable trade options for him right now? Like, have you heard anything in, like, the Knicks spaces or anything that seemed doable, you know, without having to give up too much to get rid of his contract? I've heard some things. Like, I, I know people, like, I know people that are connected a little bit, like, in the Knicks, like, not in the Knicks, but, like, people that write for the Knicks or whatever, and they follow me, so we talk sometimes. So, I know some things. I'm not, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'll be able to say it, but, like, there's, there's certain teams that would trade for Randall. I'm not going to lie. It's just, the thing about, the thing about the Knicks, though, like, the, the thing about this new regime is that they are trying to win every single deal, right? They're trying to get as much value at, for every single deal. You look at all their deals they've made. They at least got like a second round pick back. They got some type of asset back, right? So they're trying to win deals. And I don't think the Knicks are willing to go get 75 cents on the dollar for Randall right now. I think they're like, yo, we can get something good for him. We just got to build up his value again. 
So I think there are deals available. I think Portland, I think Portland can still make a deal for for him. I think Utah can still make a deal for him. Teams like that. But to me, like I much rather like like I don't want to get a player back. Like if you could just give me like a couple, if you give me like a first, if you give me a first or you give me like a rotational piece, like something similar to how you know when the Raptors traded Rudy Gay in 2012? Like everybody yeah. at the time, a lot of people, like a lot of casual people were like, well, why did the Raptors do that? Like they traded for like three role players, John Salmons or whatever, and a couple picks. But if you actually like watch the Raptors, you watch the game, you know, Rudy Gay was not a good basketball player for them. So yeah, like they probably got 75 cents on a dollar, but that made them a playoff team. So I would do something like that. Like where in the moment people might think it's not a good deal, but I'd much rather do that than like just get him off the team instead of like, oh, let's get value for him. That's just how I feel about it. Yeah, that's definitely how how it usually is when you're giving up the best player in the deal. Like, yeah. you, like people might say like, oh yeah, they got fleeced, but in the end, you like like the Paul George um, from Indiana to OKC trade. Like everybody was like, oh, Oladipo is not good, and who knows about Sabonis on those who ended up being all stars. They're all Oladipo was all NBA like that year. Exactly. All NBA. That's crazy. Exactly. So that's a fair point. Um, last question I really have is what in your mind is a successful season for the Knicks in the 22-23 year? Oh, it depends who you ask. Okay, honestly, if we, if we're a playing team, if we're a playing team, that's successful to me. And if the young guys are playing, like if we're a playing team and we're all, and all, most of the young guys are playing heavy minutes, I think it's a successful, I think it's a successful season. And I feel like, a lot of people bash Tibbs a lot. They say that, oh, he doesn't really play a lot of young guys. My opinion is he just got to get trust. Like, as soon as he gets your trust, like, he'll play you, right? And I feel like that's the same with Quickly, Grimes, all these guys. Once they, Those guys have trust. Like, Tibbs trust those that trust. Sorry. Tibbs trust those guys. So, I think as long as, they, as, long as the young guys play and they're, like, a 9, 10 seed, that's just, that's a success to me. Progression to me is not always linear. So if we do something like that, like we go from uh, 11 seed, 12 seed to a 10 seed, like that's fine to me. Like I think being respectable is what matters. That's the quote of the video. Progression is not always linear. And I, I agree. I think I think a play-in berth, like, because I think the East is going to be super competitive this year. Like I'm on record. I think Detroit's going to be a lot better. I think Orlando's yeah. going to be better. Um, there's maybe only like one or two tanking teams in the Eastern Conference. So I think if the Knicks could steal a 10 seed, that would be a pretty good year for y'all. Especially like you said with the development. Hopefully, um Cam Reddish, is he is he like back? Is is he re-signed? Yeah, he's still on he's still on the team, but like I don't know, bro. I'm not that high on Cam. Like a, I think a lot of people are. I think I think Cam is really polarizing. Like a lot of people so, don't really so. like him too. Like either people think he's like not that good or he's like the next Paul George. And I'm like, bro, he's not, he's not either or. Like, you know what I mean? I'm I'm in the middle of camp, to be honest. Probably somewhere, yeah, probably somewhere in the middle. I just want to see him get more minutes. It seemed like I'll trade it for him and he barely played. He, he played though, like before he got hurt in Sacramento, like Tibbs closed games with him. Like the last four or five games before he got hurt, like Tibbs was closing games with him. So I think he was in a, he was in a good rhythm and then unfortunately he got hurt. He stayed. He stays getting hurt too. I remember he, yeah, he was man. playing good for Atlanta, then he got hurt. So, but he, he has stay that, healthy. He has that thing though. I'm not gonna lie. Like where I don't know if you notice it when someone's like a really good basketball player, like when you know when they're floating on the court, like he's like yeah. you know yeah like he, when he's just gliding on the court. I'm like bro, he's nice, but then he like like a, he'll take a really bad shot. I'm like you, you know you gotta sit down right now. I don't know. I don't know, Cam. I don't know what you. No, nah, I feel that for sure. Well, yeah, that's all I have. Do you have anything else to say before we wrap up? Um, follow my guy Tariq. Follow my guy Tariq on all platforms, 
And uh, all I got to say is I appreciate content creators like you because normally everybody else is a casual, casual when it comes to Knicks fans. Like they're always bashing them. They're always saying they're in a bad place like Stephen A. Smith. So seeing someone who isn't a fan, but they're like, they're tapped in. Like, I appreciate that. So that's what I'll say. And if y'all want to follow me on Found a Hoop on TikTok, please do. I appreciate it. Uh, that's pretty much it, man. That's pretty much it. I must just say real quick, what you said on your live when I joined that one time, that that really like that that touched me like no no, no cap like that really I, I was like man oh like really I, I watch your video like I watch your videos bro I watch yeah, your videos like, all the time bro I'll be at work I'll be watching them uh like I'll be I'll be doing I'll be doing dishes I have in the background because like the way you the way you like present yourself the way like it's articulated everything like music I love it I love it I, I tapped into your draft like I watched the whole four hour draft the next day like I watched the whole draft bro right that's that's crazy love, I bro I appreciate draft. you a lot my guy like you said. Bro. Like he said, follow him, on, follow him on TikTok. I'm going to leave all his links in the description. His Twitter, his Instagram. Hopefully, he makes a YouTube soon so I can add it to the links Hopefully. as well. Yeah. But my guy, I appreciate you for tuning in. Um, everybody, leave a like. Subscribe if you're new. I do not think I said that at the beginning. And we'll be back next time with probably the next installment of the What's Next series. Unless Kevin Durant somehow gets traded. But that'll probably be the next video. I appreciate y'all. I'm out. Peace. Peace.